0: You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by Prevagen, America's number one brain health supplement. Go to Prevagen.com to learn more about improving your memory. Now, before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. Well, my guest today is Dr. Gabby Wild, and she has traveled the world to save animals from pioneering elephant elephant acupuncture to treating Jane Goodall's chimpanzees in Uganda, and kids often recognize Dr. Wilde as the veterinarian from Animal Jam Classic, which, believe it or not, has over 130 million, that's right, million registered users, where she has answered questions from children about wild animals, and when Dr. Wilde is not traveling to save animals, she is an emergency room doctor and veterinary surgeon at the animal surgical center in long island and the new book national geographic kids wild vet adventures saving animals around the world is our topic today so ladies and gentlemen let's welcome dr gabby wild welcome to the show
1: thank you so much
0: well well let me ask you this right right off because how did you team up with national geographic to create this amazing children's book on
1: animals um a lot of blessing, I would say. So, as you mentioned earlier, I started working with Animal Jam, which is um, previously was with National Geographic. And when we were at a little conference together for Animal Jam, we were talking about how kids are so enamored by wildlife, and specifically by veterinary medicine. There are a lot of kids today that say that when they grow up, they want to be veterinarians. So naturally, when we discussed this with them, they said, what do you think about making a book? And then three years later, here we are today.
0: Wow. Well, you know, it's amazing. I think, uh, I know even when I was a kid, you know, I, they, you know, your, your parents or your teachers may ask you, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and I was one of those that said, Hey, I'd I'd love to be a veterinarian. And, uh, I think all kids, um, they just love animals. And, uh, and I think, uh, and I always encourage people if they have kids, they, they need to get a pet, you know, a cat or a dog, maybe if they want a bird or a hamster, but there's just something about having an animal in the home. Um, that just, uh, I don't know, it just produces just a, a great environment, but then, you know, All of us kids, even uh, young and old, you know, we love going to the zoo and seeing animals that uh, normally we would see in the wild. And of course, you yourself have seen, I can't even imagine how many animals you've seen in the wild. I mean, can you even think of a number?
1: No. And people try to ask for that number and I just can't fathom it. But you're (laughs) absolutely right. and. That's why it's such a blessing to have zoos or to have um, other rescue organizations and conservation parks where they may have education animals so that people can really get that feel of what it's like to see these animals or to even log on to cameras of them in the wild. And I call these animals ambassadors. Ideally, we wish we didn't need them, that they didn't need to be in a zoo. They could be out in the wild. But for those that are injured that would never be able to go back in the wild, it's awesome to have these other opportunities for the animal and then for the people who get to enjoy it. And I couldn't echo you more in regards to the health benefits, both mental, um, really mental, but also developmental for children to have pets. And I suppose you can therefore say physical because they have shown that children that do grow up with pets have fewer allergies. But they also discuss that having an animal in the household does develop other skills within a child, such as responsibility and the friendship that they form. More social, psychological studies do need to be had. But for those who are interested in learning more, an excellent book on that is Why the Wild Things Are. And I, I, I think there's nothing better than having the opportunity to have a pet.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I know that that's a uh, study that could go so much deeper. And and I've, I've read studies as well with... Uh, those who have had pets, those who have never had a pet. And I was shocked to find out uh, that those people that are incarcerated, actually, um, the amount of people that are in prison today have not, have never had a pet. And I think there's a social skill there that when kids have the opportunity to have a pet in the home, I think it's just one of the best positives not only for the child and during their childhood, but also, like you said, there's just so many things that are positive as when they grow up to become an adult, you can always go back to look at them as knowing that they had a pet in their household.
1: It's amazing. Wow. I, I actually wasn't aware of this statistic.
0: Yeah, it was kind of interesting, but I want to, I want to talk about your book for a second because you covered, there's over 80 animals in, in this book, uh, from lions to pandas to Gila monsters to tarantulas, uh, how did you work with National Geographic to, to choose which animals should be in the book?
1: Luckily, I had such awesome book editors that said, you tell us what you want in this book and we're going to go with it and we trust you. And that is genuinely how it happened. They allowed me the freedom with the book idea. They allowed me to creatively assess what I thought kids would enjoy reading. And then they said, okay, select your species from that creative idea. We said how many we could really fit into the page numbers. And they said, okay, that sounds great. Or, you know what, let's add in something that's more like that because we already have a lot of X, you know, so we would just fill those in and modify them as needed. And that's really how it happened. And I chose all animals that I've had the experience working with. So that way I could give really good background information and give really fun stories about working with such crazy creatures.
0: Yeah, I would say some of them are very crazy. I'm going to ask you some questions about some of those here in a second, but I thought was something, I thought of something that was so interesting is that your last name is wild and you're working with wild animals. So was that just a calling that came upon you as a young child or how did you go from being a veterinarian to working with some of the most exotic animals in the world?
1: came very naturally that I wanted to be a wildlife vet. always had a fascination with all animals, but when I was four years old, I fell in love with wildlife, and I knew that that was going to be it, and um, I always took care of the little wild animals that would be injured in my, my neighborhood, mostly like pigeons, um, because I grew up in a, in a little city where there were lots of pigeons but any little animals that I could help and then would go to the local veterinarian to ask, what can I do here? What should I do there? And they thought I was absolutely crazy. Luckily, I have the most supportive, amazing family ever. I mean, imagine having a child who requests having a pigeon nursery. So that was that. was that. And then when I was 16, I went to Thailand to work with elephants and I just continued to do so. And I had all these unique wildlife adventures and experiences. And actually my friends in university started calling me Gabby wild as a joke. Although my maiden name was GW would keep those same initials. Um, they actually, my friends made up my name as Gabby wild.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, you know, you mentioned elephants and I understand that, um, You pioneered elephant acupuncture. How did that come about?
1: Yes. Well, the original pioneer was about 3000 years old, but what ended up happening is very frequently I'm out in the wild and I don't have access to medications or treatments that would be ideal for a specific ailment. And it was, it was always a little bit frustrating for me. And also I very much care about pain management. And I feel that we still don't have a lot of really good options for multimodal pain management. So when I was in veterinary school, I started learning about acupuncture, and I ended up becoming veterinary acupuncture certified. And my professor, who um, who runs this program, is down in the University of Florida. I went to veterinary school in in uh, New York at Cornell, but I went down to Florida to learn and get certified. And I shared with him. This frustration with elephants, and I said, "Hey, I'm using all these points that I would imagine are analogous to what we use when we learned it on the dog." I said, "But can you maybe confirm that I'm doing this?" And he said to me, "You know what? I have these ancient charts from when three thousand years ago when we did elephant acupuncture, because after humans, they used acupuncture on horses because they were their, their war animal." Um, they were bat and then the battle tank was the elephant. So the second animal to be done was the elephant. So they had these chops, and I said to him, "So nobody's been doing this at all for like a while." It was yeah, it seems like maybe for three thousand years or so, no one's been doing this. So that's uh, that's how I started pioneering it, and then sharing my experience with others, and it's it's been really wonderful to share that knowledge.
0: Well, then let me ask you this because I know. I'm not an expert in acupuncture, but I understand that it has something to do with working with the meridians in the body. Yeah. With four-legged creatures, are the meridians pretty much the same if it's from an elephant to a tiger to a gila monster?
1: To a bird, yes. It's it's quite analogous. So essentially, what these meridians are, we, we use these interesting... If you will, literary terms to describe the meridian. So you might say we're using the lung channel or the liver channel. Long story short, if you end up putting that channel alongside often the neurological system, you'll find that they're, they're quite analogous to what we've already discovered in terms of our, our neurological pathways. We just call it different names, but they seem to have understood that from thousands of years ago.
0: So if you're doing acupuncture on an elephant, and this may be a dumb question, but I'm really curious, how big are the needles? Because, you know, the elephant hide is pretty tough.
1: Not dumb at all. Although they have very tough skin, they're very sensitive. But what I do use is a hypodermic needle. And then after that, I'll place an acupuncture needle that would be the appropriate size for, say, a horse inside that uh, hypodermic needle just to make sure I get the, the best point.
0: Oh, wow. This is really interesting. Cause I, you know, I've never, I would have never imagined somebody doing acupuncture on an elephant, but it completely makes sense because like you said, if you're out in the wild somewhere and you don't have certain medicines with you to treat, you know, we both know that acupuncture has been an incredible therapy for like you said, thousands of years, especially for humans. And now it's uh, being used for animals. I just think that's absolutely amazing. Now, with your vet experience, uh, what was your scariest moment
1: with a wild animal? um, I find every moment to be tenuous because I have that life in my hand. And it's always a little bit nerve wracking to make sure that the anesthetic procedure is going smoothly. So I'm always... A little bit uptight even though everybody tells me I'm a very zen person deep down inside I'm a little <laughs> bit more uptight but the scariest experience was when I was working on a jaguar who needed to have uh, a root canal performed and there was a little storm this was in Central America there was a little storm and the electricity went out and there were two generators so I wasn't too worried I figured okay not a big deal we've got two backups well one back out poo-pooed and that that was like okay that that's really bad murphy's law right here but we have another friend another generator naturally it went out as well and um, as you can imagine i was a little bit nervous having my hand in the big cat with the highest psi so i rushed as quickly as i could but safely through the procedure and therefore with the electricity out my gas anesthesia would surely be gone within seconds. And I was depending exclusively on the injectable anesthetic that I had given preoperatively to anesthetize the patient. Of course, we had an IV catheter. Of course, if we needed to do more, we could do everything through the injectables, but it's not ideal to be doing that, especially on an animal that is so dangerous um, for both our safety and their safety. And so we did that procedure as quickly as we could and we escorted him back to his enclosure as I'm holding his his head with the endotracheal tube still in there and tending him back to his enclosure. His eyes open at me and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to jump right off of this carrier. And um, lo and behold, he swallowed a few times. I pulled out his endotracheal tube and literally just as we closed the enclosure door, he jumped up and was ready to attack. So I'm very glad that that went as smoothly as it did, but that was certainly a frightful experience.
0: Now you just mentioned that the Jaguar has one of the highest PSIs, which is, I guess, pressure per, I guess that's pressure per square inch of jaw power. If I'm reading that correctly or hearing that correctly, Um, how would you compare the Jaguars? Um, I mean, pressure of a bite compared to a lion or a tiger
1: much higher much higher really Mm -hmm. which naturally you don't want to be bitten by them either but it has the highest
0: now we've always had this discussion uh you know you know if you're just you know people sitting around having discussions about wild animals or whatever could you can you really could you tell us simply what is a black panther.
1: Sure. Panther is a generalized term. So when we say a black panther, it could be a jaguar or a leopard. So jaguars are located in Central and South America. Leopards are located in Asia and Africa. So it's just basically saying a melanistic panther. It's just another allele, just like with people. You can have, and there's a spectrum just like people of having, you know, the wild type form. So like when you think of the traditional jaguar with the very um, yellow golden rosettes to the melanistic jaguar that becomes very, very dark and you have to really kind of look closely to see those rosettes. So that's what we mean by the, the black panther. So... Uh, mm-hmm.
0: well now... Now the mystery is solved. I mean, I, I live in Texas and it's funny because, um, here, a lot of people use the term mountain lion and cougar interchangeably. Yeah. Are they the same?
1: Yeah. And, um,
0: well, good. Then it doesn't matter which one we mentioned here, then we're pretty much right. Well, that's, that's good to know. And I want to know something because you treated Jane Goodall's chimpanzees. Did Did you meet her?
1: Um, We've never met in person. We've had multiple exchanges. And I think it's mainly due to her crazy schedule and my crazy schedule. Every time we've tried to meet in person, it never works out. But I I consider her like my greatest role model. And I've just been so honored to have been able to actually help my own role model. It's like mind-blowing to me. But she's incredible incredible. Her passion's amazing. And I just, I couldn't be more honored to, to be sometimes part of her team.
0: So what did you, what did, uh, what did you do uh, for her chimpanzees?
1: Uh, do regular physical examinations on them, preventative medicine. And then if they get themselves into quote, unquote, monkey business, but they're not monkeys, but if they get into some monkey business, taking care of any of the, the issues, whether it be an injury that they've had and having to to manage that, helping them with their reproductive care, this kind of thing.
0: Well, then let me ask you something, because I know that uh, last year uh, during the pandemic, this whole crazy thing about hearing about the Tiger King and all this kind of stuff, what is your, assessment and I can pretty much almost guess, but I want to hear it from you because you're the expert here. And and I know people have always dreamed about owning a lion or a tiger. And then you have all of these rich, affluent pop stars and crazy athletes bringing wild animals into their home. Some people have maybe monkeys or chimpanzees. What is your thought of people wanting to have exotic animals as pets?
1: I think it stems from a place of really thinking so highly of them and thinking how beautiful and fun they are. Potentially, it comes from a place of wanting to dominate something that's so powerful, but it also comes without the understanding of respecting that animal and understanding that you're feeding an industry that's stripping wildlife from their homes. And there's a huge illegal market for it, and a lot of crime, aside from crime towards animals, but crime towards other people, goes on because of these black market trades. So let's suppose you don't care about the crime that happens and you don't care about how that animal feels and how that animal lives in its unfair environment. Then perhaps you care about your own safety. And very frequently people think, oh, I can train it. I've seen it done. This person said that they've done it. I think the most famous situation of a trained quote-unquote animal is from Siegfried and Roy. I don't think there's anybody who has shown how much they love their tigers and lions, the way these gentlemen showed that they truly love them, regardless of, and I'm not going to even go go there about training them. and and using an animal in that sense because love comes in different forms. I'll leave it there. But these animals... Yeah, animal,
0: and I can, I can understand. Yeah, because I can understand that. I mean, you know, w- we all know how much Six fury and Roy absolutely loved their animals, took great care, but still there was...
1: The accident.
0: An episode. Exactly. An accident. And
1: that and is the thing. And that's what what people need to understand. Can you get an animal? Let's suppose you don't care about it. You don't care. But you're willing to bring a very dangerous creature into your home. You are willing to sacrifice your life, your your body in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, the, the poor man was entirely mauled. And it wasn't because his tiger was trying to hurt him. In fact, they believe that the tiger was trying to protect him and grabbed him the same way it would naturally grab a cub. So here's a man with utter experience in front of millions of people for decades, and this is what happens to him. So to be as arrogant to think it won't happen to you is, is crazy to me, aside from the One. ethics of not having wildlife as pets.
0: Yeah. And do you think, um, well, then that really kind of goes back to, there must be a very great misconception that people believe that, uh, let's say they illegally, because I can't see how you could do this legally, illegally bring in a lion or, or a tiger cub as an example. And, and I think that these people who are completely unaware, untrained, uneducated, bring in something like this. And they think that if they raise it from a cub, that that animal doesn't have the killer instinct. And I hate to kind of use that term, but it's a wild animal. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, that animal can still turn on them, correct?
1: Just the same way we just discussed with Siegfried and Roy.
0: And and then you might say uh, it might
1: be a small animal, something that seems harmless. But I can't tell you how many times I've heard of of other exotic veterinarians discussing with me how how they've been asked to take teeth out of monkeys. Because, yes, monkeys bite. They're cute, but they bite. They're not meant to be in these environments. And even parrots. Parrots have so many social issues that it's sometimes hard for me to decide what species of parrot we should even be permitting um, legally for people to own because you really have to have a very strong understanding of them um, because they will pluck their feathers out of the psychological behavior and it's it's a detrimental thing for them so we don't understand always why we shouldn't be keeping them
0: But it's not cool. It's not fun. It's not a power trip. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing too, you know, I've heard, uh, you know, I've heard people who have had chimpanzees as pets and then there ends up being a chimpanzee attack. Yeah. And I, you know, what would trigger a a chimpanzee to, let's say, attack someone or attack their owner? And not, I mean, just out of the clear blue and not even knowing, because I've heard some horrible accidents. Well,
1: they're brilliant. To, to put it lightly, I mean, we share 97% of their uh, non-coding DNA, um, their coding DNA with them. So they're, they're absolutely brilliant. What might inspire them to attack is they are upset about their food, they're having a bad day, they don't want to be bothered, they feel like you're, you're going near their territory and their fluctuations in hormones. So it just doesn't make sense to want to take something that's natural and and take it away from its home and its family and what it should be doing. We should want to protect our planet and allow them to breed in the wild and live in the wild. Because in, in, in essence, with the One Health World Initiative through the UN, We all are needed as pieces of the puzzle to keep the the global ecosystem healthy. And each person and each animal is important in that process.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think that uh, we should admire them from a distance. And I understand that you have a nonprofit foundation dedicated to the protection of the world's most endangered creatures. Tell us about it and how can people help?
1: Absolutely. So the Gabby Wild Foundation has a multifaceted approach to saving wildlife. We provide wildlife veterinary services, so different organizations, NGOs, national parks can reach out globally if they have animals in need of assistance. They just fill out the form on the online uh, website. And then based off of the private donations and sponsorships, we can head right out and go help them. So there's that aspect of providing the veterinary care because I'm sure, as you probably know, a human bill is pretty expensive. Unfortunately, trying to give medication to a very large elephant is also very expensive, uh, proportionally speaking, in fact. So it's really beautiful that we can provide that kind of service for, for organizations, especially in developing nations. Um, also- I love
0: that. And has it been... Has it been extremely tough in the past year um, for zoos, um, not only in America, but also abroad, um, keeping up and taking care of the animals because of the lack of crowds coming in to to pay and to provide care for those animals?
1: Absolutely. They've had major financial challenges, especially if they were the type of zoo or location that would get their funding from a lot of the viewership and, and individuals that would come to visit them. So that would be one big reason. Another reason for some issues that arise are um, lack of funding in general that's being turned over to other equally as important issues, but that has left the, the stream of you know, social issues like taking care of zoos and national parks. So those have all been issues. Um, so, yes, there have been certainly big funding challenges in general.
0: Well, I'm I'm thankful that uh, as the world slowly reopens, that um, everyone will go back to the zoos and the wildlife refuges and just uh, not only make a donation, but definitely, you know, the money that they pay to, to get in will continue to uh, help all of those animals that they take care of. And I want to ask you one last quick question out of all of the animals you've ever seen in the wild, which one leaves you most in awe?
1: Ooh, what an amazing question. Um, I would say lions are just so regal. I I just have such a, a a command of respect for them that I would say they often leave me the most in awe, but also when I see elephants and though their family structure as well, seeing them, I also get very much placed in awe um, yeah, I would say that
0: well i I love that, and you know i you know I've seen video. I've seen National Geographic, I mean, forever. I'd read the magazines and watch the specials on TV. And of course their own Nat Geo channel to, to see all that. Um, you know, the animal, those two that you just mentioned, they're so, like you said, they're so regal. They're so majestic. And I think that if all of us had the opportunity to see them in person in the wild, I think we would just have that same sense of awe. that that you have?
1: Thank you. I I think everybody would definitely as well. If you don't get the chance to to see them in different rescues and locations, you know, there are webcams. In fact, my charity is fundraising now to install webcams in in Sumatra where we have a base so that people can see some of these extremely rare animals like Sumatran tiger, elephant, and rhino. Um, and that way they can get on these cameras and see them in their natural environment precisely as they are.
0: I love that. I love that. Now, where can, where can all of my listeners go, um, and get this brand, brand new book, uh, wild vet adventures, saving animals around the world. Where can they get that?
1: You can certainly go on Amazon. Um, you can also, of course, go to your local bookstore. Uh, If you go on my website, gabbywild.org, I have a link to Amazon there. So if you just directly click on that link and um, on my Instagram, I also have a link right now. My Instagram is dr.gabbywild. And so either way you can find it there.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for giving us your time today to, uh, just talk about wild animals and talk about the things that you do. And, uh, I, am in, I'm impressed, but I'm in awe. I just, I just love animals. We have a couple here at, at home, but, uh, you know, what you do is so amazing to be taking care of the very animals that God created And, uh, to see them not only in the wild, but also to take care of them and, uh, to keep them safe and to keep them thriving. So hopefully all of the animals out there that are on the endangered list will continue to expand and grow and, and not be on that list anymore. So that way, um, more and more generations of people can, um, enjoy seeing them in their own setting. But Dr. Gabby Wild, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today. Thank
1: you so much for having me and amen to everything you just said.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, go to GabbyWild.org. You'll be able to find all the links there, support the nonprofit organization. We want to keep these animals alive and thriving and doing everything that we can. And not only that, See what we can do to help uh, them install those webcams so that way we can see all of these amazing animals from our own home. So, again, thank you, Dr. Gabby Wild. And, ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness, just hit subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds to rate the show on iTunes. Thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. So just look up Dr. Bond's life-changing wellness on any streaming service. You can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And I want to, again, thank you for listening to life-changing wellness. We are known as a different kind of wellness show. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. And in this case, helping to expand and treat those beautiful wild animals that Dr. Gabby Wild has shared with us today. We'll see you next time. So have a blessed day, everyone.